We are in uh, the beginning of a series entitled, It's All About Relationships. You can see that on the cover of your bulletins, and inside your bulletin, when you open it up, you'll find an outline where I'm headed today on this week's installment. It's entitled, Our Relationship with God. All this month, we are going to be talking about our relationship with God, our relationships with our spouses, with our kids, uh, relationship with coworkers, and how to get those things organized. Last week, we introduced the whole series, these boxes, and these illustrate priorities, and how if you just like when you move and you have to unpack boxes in your house, if you get the wrong priorities and you start unpacking the wrong thing first, you're in a big mess. And all too often in our lives, we just, we're just all jumbled up and we put our house and our car and our stuff and we start unpacking that and saying that's a priority. And then all of a sudden we realize, wow, I haven't had time for my kids or I haven't had time for God. And welcome to today's topic. How am I going to know how to order my life? Well, the Bible says we got to put God first. Well, what does that mean? And why does it say that? And if you ever uh, wondered about those things, well, then you've come to the right place today because that's what we're going to talk about. How do we make sure that the big box here of putting God first actually happens? And today I want to talk with you how to do that, how to have a meaningful relationship with God one-on-one every day. Let me have a word of prayer for us and we'll jump right in. God, I thank you for the opportunity to look at your word, to unpack some important concepts today. And God, I just pray that you'll speak, you'll move me out of the way, and help us embrace how to have a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for your word to guide us in this. Bless our time together. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Before I get any further, if you need a pen to write with, there's some fill-in-the-blank items. Um, And so just raise your hand, and the ushers are coming up and down the aisles right now, and they'll be glad to pass a pen down to you. Um, Point one on the outline is simply this. God created us for a relationship with himself. The Bible says we need to put God first because God created us for a relationship with himself. That's why we're created. If we don't get that right, then life doesn't work right. And if we don't put God first, then all the rest of our priorities get all jumbled. Where do I get this idea? Well, the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1.27, it says that God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, how can he create us in his image if he created us male and female, since males and females look pretty different? Well, he wasn't talking about the external appearance. He's talking about our souls, uh, the spiritual dimension of who we are. And uh, it's important for us to understand that God gives us a mind because he has a mind, and he wants us to think his thoughts after him. He wants to explain his reasoning of why he does things. He wants us to embrace that and ponder upon those things. God has emotions, and we have emotions, just like he does. And he wants us to feel about things the way he feels about things. He wants us to be angry about the things that make him angry. He wants us to rejoice over the things that make him rejoice. And God also has a will. God creates, and he designs, and he does things on purpose. And he wants us to choose to do things on purpose and to follow him. And that's how we can have a loving relationship with God. We're not just animals. God created all the animals on the planet, but he set human beings apart from all the other things that he'd created. We're the ones created in his image. So we're not pets. We're children. That makes all the difference in the world. He doesn't want us just hanging around, and he can stroke us every now and then and tell us, good job, or good boy, or good girl. What he wants is he wants children who will grow up in him and think, and feel, and reason, and obey, and choose to do the things he wants. This is why we're created. He wants to pour himself into each one of us, so we become more and more like him. 
Sin is what destroyed all that. If you're wondering, well, I don't feel like that's happening in my life. Well, none of us do apart from a relationship with the Lord. We feel like the relationship's broken because it is. There's sin in our lives. And that keeps us far from Him. And so instead of seeking God's direction and His thoughts and His will and His feelings about things, we go our own way. And so instead of putting Him first, we might put our hobbies first. And we wonder how come that doesn't work out too well. Or maybe we put our work first. And then that makes us work so hard and we get all stressed out and then everything else starts falling apart. And God says, no, if you'll get it straight from the top, if you get it right from the beginning that I created you for this and you seek me, I'll show you how to order your life. And so Christians throw out this phrase of you need a personal relationship with God. And that means coming to him every day and saying, God, I want you to show me how to live my life. I believe you have a better plan for my life than I do. God is very specific about this. There are many places in Scripture where he refers refers to the fact that he desires a relationship with us and he created us for this. Exodus 34, 14, God is speaking to the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. He has given them the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, uh, the first two deal with the fact that God doesn't want his people bowing down to idols or worshiping other gods at all. He had led the nation of Israel out of slavery to the Egyptians. The Egyptians didn't know God. And so they made idols and they worshiped the sun or they worshiped the Nile River and gods that they created to represent those things. God says, I'm not the sun and I'm not a river. I'm the one who made the stars and I'm the one who made the rivers. Worship me for who I am. And then he goes on to say in Exodus 34, Moses was talking to the people of Israel and he said this because he'd listened to the Lord, what the Lord had told him. And he told the people, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is Jealous is a God who's jealous about his relationship with you. You know, God is jealous for your time. He wants you to listen to him because he's got a plan for your life. If you're struggling with a sinful habit or a horrible temper, or you talk too much, you say things you shouldn't say, or you've got guilt and shame over things of the past, the Lord wants wants to help you deal with all those things. He wants to show you what your family should look like. He wants to show you how to have a successful life and be all that you can be according to his plan for you. And he's jealous for that. He sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. And he says, come to me. Don't get caught up in a hundred other things. Come to me. I made you for a relationship with me. Come to me. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, the apostle Paul repeats a phrase that's repeated throughout the scriptures many times. It describes God's heart, and this is God speaking, saying, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. God wants to create a people of his own who want him to walk right in their midst. When the children of Israel were camped there at the mountain, when they got the Ten Commandments, God instructed them to build a portable tabernacle that would always be set up in the middle of the camp, not on the outskirts, but right in the middle. And a pillar of cloud would rest upon a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And it was to demonstrate to anybody who looked at the camp where God's position was right in the middle of his, of his people. Do you know where God wants to be? He wants to be right in the middle of your life every day. Right in the middle of your relationships. Right in the middle of your finances. Right in the middle of your job. Right in the middle of your schoolwork. Right in the middle. And you can come to him with all your junk too. He knows what's going on. He'll forgive you. He'll help you start again. 
He'll give you a new perspective. But don't run away from him and don't marginalize him. Put him right in the middle and surrender the whole thing to him. He created you. He made you and he knows how to address the problems in your life. If there's anybody who can fix a broken life, it's the one who created the life in the first place. And the good news is he's willing to do it and he loves each one of us. Now here's an important note. Without a relationship with God, we can never have real life. Again, and we made this case last week, and you can look at the sermon online or download it on iTunes. We'll get our priorities all out of whack. Life will come at us too fast. I mean, every day you wake up and all the priorities of the day come roaring at you, just rushing at you like wild animals. And life happens, and if we don't get our priorities right, we get all messed up. And, and Jesus said, hey, if you, don't, if you come to me, well, here's exactly what he said. I came so that you can have real and eternal life, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. He wants us to discover what it's like to to know God's plan, to obey God's priorities and get things straight. And Jesus said, if you come to me, I'll forgive your sins. I'll give you that kind of life. Jesus also said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if we stay connected to him, he's the source of all the things we want in our life. Love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, kindness, mercy, self-control. I want those things in my life and so do you. And Jesus says, I'm the source. Stay connected to me. You stay connected to me and you'll see these things working out in your life like a branch that bears fruit at the end of it. But you cut the branch off and it withers up and dries. And we'll never discover what life could be unless we tap into the source. And we go to the maker. And we say, God, what is your plan for me? But if we do that, well, then he orders everything else. And he gets us all the right priorities. And so we spend time as we should. And then all the rest of our relationships start looking healthy and strong too. We bear fruit. That's God's will for us. Today, on the balance of my message, I want to show you how you and I could actually do that every day. I mean, communicate with God and and work on a relationship with him. I want to show you a few simple steps that have served Christians well through many centuries. So jumping on to point two, I'd remind all of us that a relationship with God takes time and effort. We're created for a relationship with God. We'll never experience real life without it. We'll never have that abundant fruit being issued in our life without it. And so God says, hey, spend time with me. Well, that's going to take time and effort. I'm also going to tip my hand here for the rest of the series. When we talk about what the Bible has to say about a relationship with your spouse, relationship with your spouse takes time and effort. Can anybody else verify that who's married? Okay, it takes time and effort. All right? If you're going to make sure you have a good relationship with your kids, guess what it takes? Time and effort. If you're going to have a good relationship with your coworkers, guess what it takes? Time and effort. You'll discover that the things in your life that you really want are going to take time and effort. That's okay. They're worth it. And God says, hey, above all, I want you to put me first, and that's going to take some time and effort. Not tons of time, and we'll cover that a little bit later, but it's going to take some. And so we need to start off with point A here. If you and I are going to put God first, then we need to be intentional about scheduling time with God. Scheduling. Time and effort here. If I'm going to be intentional about my relationship with my spouse, it's going to take scheduling. Otherwise, hey, let's go on a date. Sure. And then you get to Friday, and 
Everybody's tired. One of the kids is sick. The next week, oh, hey, the finances, the checkbook, I don't know if we can afford it. And all of a sudden now it's been two months, three months since you had a date. And man, my wife is, oh, I shouldn't have confessed to that. Anyway, anyway, uh, it's not good. It's not good. If you don't put your kids' ball games on the schedule first and protect those times, you won't be at them. If you and I don't put time with God on the calendar and treat him like a real person, then we're not going to have time for him any more than we would for anybody else. The things that are important to us, we schedule. Paul said when he's talking about his Christian walk, he said, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't just run around, hit or miss. I plan for it. I plan for the things that are important. Daniel, a man who loved God with his whole life and was willing to even die for his relationship with God, set a regular time to worship God every day. In fact, he was so regular about it that some political enemies of his wanted to undo him. They wanted to kill him. And so they tricked a foolish king to pass a law that no one in the kingdom was allowed to worship any other worship or pray to anyone except the king himself. And all of Daniel's enemies knew that Daniel would, of course, not obey that law. And so here's what happened. And this is from Daniel chapter 6. In spite of the law that was passed, Daniel went home and knelt down just as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. If God's going to come first, then three times a day, he was going to meet with God and pray to him. What about you? What about me? Yeah, God's number one in my life. When's the last time you spent some time with him? Uh, when are you planning on spending time with him this week? Um, I mean, you can tell me all you want that this is a priority, but if you don't schedule it and there's no time, is it really? I mean, it's a fair question. Yeah, God comes first in my life. I just don't ever have time. It's just not a priority to schedule any time to listen to him. Well, if it doesn't sound right, it's because it's not right. Relationships take time and effort. And you and I need to schedule some time with God. Point B, we also need to schedule then time to meet with God in a place that's free of distractions. Jesus awoke long before daybreak and went out into the wilderness to pray. Another time when he had a lot of ministry going on, he went up in the afternoon. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. It's said of George Washington that if that an hour before his troops got up, he would always go and spend an hour with the Lord reading his Bible and praying. Many great leaders have been asked, why do you spend an hour with God before you, spend, before you go to work? Aren't you too busy? And every one of them to a person says, I'm too busy not to pray. I mean, the more jumble I got going in my life, the more I need to make sure I listen to the one who can, unsort, who can sort out the jumble. I've got to get some instructions from the maker, otherwise I'm, I'm going to lose control. But if I put God first, he'll take care of everything else. But I got to be in a place that's free of distractions. I'm not recommending that you just put a, a CD of devotionals in your car and listen to that while you're on the cell phone putting on makeup driving to work. Okay, I'm not for that. Right? Now, you may cause other people to pray who are driving around you because you're weaving, okay? But that's not what we're looking for. And we live in a day of multitasking. Hey, I can be on the internet and texting people while watching the Olympics. Okay, and let's throw in a devotional time too. How come I'm not hearing anything from God? Because you're not hearing anything from anybody. 
And if we get in a place that's still and quiet, it's amazing how well God can speak to us. For me, that's early in the morning. If I can go out on our patio, sit down. i got a big golden retriever, and he loves to come sit with me. And he teaches me so much about that. Do you know he has undivided attention for me? I give him the scraps of my day, and it's the highlight of his day. And if I'm moving about the house early in the morning, and he sees me inside the house, and he's watching. He sees me move at all. He starts barking, come out here. And it always reminds me, it's like, that silly animal knows more about devotion and just wanting to spend time with his master every day than I do. Now, how come he knows more about that than I do? He's terrible at math and everything else. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> doesn't know anything. But anyway, he knows a lot about that. So you and I got to schedule a time free of distractions. You pick the time. Look, if you're a a mom getting all the kids out to school. It might be after the kids go to school and you finally have the house quiet and you can sit down with a cup of coffee. Great. I know one fella, he goes out and grabs lunch because during his workplace, he's got an hour off for lunch. And he has a place where he goes and grabs a sandwich and he sits down and he says, it's me and the Lord and we have lunch together. Hey, what works for you works for you. But schedule a time free of distractions. Listen to him. He loves you. He's got a great plan for you. Will you Listen. Do you want to know? The third aspect of this is you and I need to ask God to speak to us through the Bible. Okay, so John, I'm going to go meet with God. How does it work? How is he going to talk to me? You tell me I'm going to hear voices? No, I'm telling you that he has given us the most wonderful tool in the world. He has spoken through prophets in the past. He has spoken to us through his own son, Jesus. And people wrote down the words that they said. Sometimes the prophets themselves, sometimes others. And the disciples who were around Jesus and people like Luke who investigated whether they said, they recorded these things. We have some letters that the Apostle Paul wrote of things that God showed him and he wrote them to other Christians. And we've collected those and they're in a marvelous collection called the Bible. And the Bible is not like any other book. In fact, this is what the Bible says about itself. All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what's right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. And so if we're willing to spend some time studying the Bible, reading it, and applying it to our lives, God will piece by piece, day by day, little by little, change us into godly people. It's amazing. And it really works. It really works. But if you and I want to avail ourselves of the truth and the power that's in the book, then we've got to read it. And ask God to speak to us through the words on these pages. If you need wisdom, James says, if you want to know what God wants you to do, then ask him. He'll gladly tell you. He won't resent your asking. You can come to him and say, God, I need your help every day. And I recommend you do that. Before you read the Bible, say, God, I don't want to waste my time. I, know that I, don't, I certainly don't want to waste your time. Please show me something I need to hear today. And it's amazing how God will speak to me. He'll do it for you too. He will. If you just come to him and trust him. Here's an important note. A reading plan will help you, get, help you and me get the most out of the Bible. Because we'll understand the flow of it. When we did Luke's gospel in the last series, we looked at a lot of the stories out of Luke. Covered uh, that through many weeks of study in the last series. And Luke, at the beginning of his gospel, when he wrote all these stories of Jesus down and Jesus' teachings, he said... Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account. 
it wasn't just a collection of writings that didn't relate to each other. He put the stories in order. And if you read the Bible according to a reading plan, you'll get the most of it. You'll understand the flow. In fact, in your bulletin today is a reading plan. It's called the Essential 100. And it'll help you understand if you've ever wondered, well, what's the flow of the whole Bible? How does it work? There's an Essential 100 reading plan, 100 readings now that you can complete in the balance of the rest of the year. If you just did this five times a week over the next 20 weeks, it would take you to the end of the year. By the end of the year, you'll get a good handle on how the Bible fits together. These are Essential 100. It walks you through some key components, letters, historical accounts, the Gospels, miracles. You'll love it. But you got to do it. And if you have a plan, then each and every day, and we've arranged it so you can just with a few instructions on it and some boxes you check, if you just check the box as you go along, you'll be amazed at how well you can understand the Bible. There are also some great resources on the back of the outline here about devotional guides and places you can go on the Internet. YouVersion um, is an Internet-based version of the Bible, YouVersion.com. They've got tons of reading plans. You sign up for one of their Bible reading plans. They'll email the They'll remind you via email, here's your reading for the day. After you complete the reading plan or as you complete the reading plan, they'll tell you, good job. I mean, it's great. You go, wow, well, thank you. I mean, they'll come to your phone. And they'll say, hey, good job, John. I mean, I love those guys. And so reading the Bible's never been easier. But guess what? God's not going to jam it down my throat. Nobody else is going to make you do it. you got to say, God, I want your plan for my life. I want to know you myself. I'm just here today to tell you it's the best thing you can invest your time doing. It's going to take time. It's going to mean scheduling. It's going to mean going to a place free of distractions. It's going to mean having a plan and sticking to it. And I also want to tell you the note at the bottom of the first page is this. You and I don't need to read a lot. Jesus told his disciples to pray each day. Give us today our daily bread. Enough for today. That's not only true for food, it's enough for God's wisdom. Lord, just give me enough wisdom for today. You don't have to read for distance. This isn't a competition anyway. Well, I read the Gospels yesterday. Well, I read the entire New Testament. Well, I read the Old and New Testaments in Hebrew. Okay, whatever, I agree. Good for you. We're not comparing. I'm not trying to show off. That's not the point. Read it so that you understand it. And you can apply it. God will meet you if you're willing to invest the time and do it rightly. Flip your outline over, a couple more pointers on this. If you and I are going to invest in the relationship, we need to apply and obey what we read. If we're saying, God, speak to me, then we're reading the word, he speaks to us, well, then you have to obey. Here are a couple of scriptures that point out why. Um, this is from, both are from James. And James says, look, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like you're glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, well, then God will bless you for doing it. James also said, when you ask God for wisdom, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think or receive anything from the Lord. Why is the Lord going to give you wisdom if you're not going to listen to anything he says? I mean, apply it to anybody, any other relationship. You find a guy who's better at business than you and say, hey, can you show me how to start a business? And amazingly, he's gracious enough to do that. So then he says, hey, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. And you go, no, nah, I'm not doing any of that. Well, guess what that mentor is going to do to you? He's going to say, look, come back when you're serious because I don't have time 
to sit here and throw out all kinds of wisdom if you're just going to throw it on the floor. And anybody looking from the outside would say, man, you're a fool. That guy was willing to give you all kinds of wisdom and you just treated it like nothing. Why'd you bother him in the first place? Well, how much more so if we're coming to the king of the universe, the creator of all that is, the one who designed us, who understands us perfectly and understands how all things fit together, if we come to him and he shows us something that we need to do more of or something we need to stop doing, but we're not willing to listen. And James says, are you kidding me? I want all this wisdom. Well, you're not listening to the wisdom you already had. And there's an important note that goes along with this. If we do obey what God tells us, then God promises to reveal more of himself to us. Jesus said so. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each one of them. You want to know more about God? Obey what he told you to do already. Here's a funny thing that you'll discover after you've been a Christian for a long time. You become a Christian, start reading the Bible, God shows you things, and you start dealing with your temper and your tongue, alcohol, whatever it is that's been plaguing your life, and you deal with it, and then you go, I got the hang of this Christian life, I'm done. And then the Lord reminds you, yeah, with level one. Oh, how many levels are there? More than you got time for, big guy. But we're going to start on the next one. And what you'll find is when you get part of your life right, then what happens is God says, hey, I want to take you on to level two. You in? And that's why it's so great. You can keep reading the Bible. And people say, well, I've read the Bible. What happens if I read it? Well, then start over again. Because now you'll be at another level of maturity, and the Holy Spirit will now show you things in your life that you weren't able to hear the first time through. Anybody here had that happen besides me? Anybody here? You'll see some hands going up. It's true. And God's going to work on you the rest of your life because he's trying to conform you more and more and more to be just like Jesus. And so there's tons of things in my life that need to be gotten rid of. Other things need to be shored up because I'm doing the right thing. I just need to do more of it with more confidence. And so as I read God's word, he's going to show me things I need to do more of and things I need to do less of. And he's working on me all the time. And I don't need to be afraid of that. And neither do you. Neither do you. But you got to obey, or else you're just wasting time. So don't come to him and say, God, I want wisdom, and then just throw it on the floor. And don't say, God, I want to know more of you. And he's saying, well, why do you want to know more of me? You don't seem to like the part you know. Let's get on with this. Now, Another step on this is we need to record what God reveals to us so we won't forget. I mean, if you learn priceless wisdom from somebody about starting your business, or if you learn priceless wisdom in a class, and you're in an algebra class in high school, well, we tell the students there, take notes. Because it all made sense in class, and then when I go home to do the homework, I go, oh, I don't understand this at all. You know what's great is? If I can go back and look at my notes. It's why we pass out notes on Sunday morning. We'd love for you to reflect and go, hey, he said something Sunday, and I, well, I can't remember it now. It's kind of lost in the fog. Oh, yeah, this is what he said. Notes help. When John saw glimpses of heaven and eternity, of things to come, 
This is what the one who was seated on the throne of heaven told him to do. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he turned to John, the disciple, and he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And that's how come we have the last book of the Bible, the revelation given to John because John wrote it down. Praise the Lord, I tell myself, and never forget the good things he does for me. Well, how are you going to never forget? Write it down. I was, uh, there was a farmer in the community where I grew up, and he was going on vacation, and I was a farm kid, and so I was taking care of his farm while he was out of town. And so he walked me around the farm, told me how to feed the animals and certain chores that needed to be done, and I was nodding, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I'd feel a whole lot better if you had a pencil and paper writing this down. And I said, why is that? And he said, let me tell you something I learned a long time ago. A dull pencil is better than a sharp memory any day. (laughs) Now, I don't know where he heard that, but it works for me. A dull pencil is better than a sharp memory any day. And I hate to tell you this, those of you with sharp memories, the older you get, the duller the memory gets, all right? And sharp pencils are even better still. But why can't we write some things down? Maybe you'll get a devotional guide. Um, You know, my wife... Uh, got me started on a devotional a book called Jesus Calling. If you get it on uh, the iPad version of it, it even has a, a journal component built right in. So you can read it and tap on a button and then it opens a journal where you can write down your thoughts for each day. You can just go buy a notebook at, at Walmart or anyplace else. It doesn't have to be anything fancy at all. But when you read your Bible, write a paragraph or two each day. Write it down. And here's what's so great is if you do that and then look back on it, a week or two weeks or a month later, you'll see how God showed you, spoke to you here, here, here. If you write down a prayer request, how you answered that, 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 it'd be the most encouraging thing you've ever seen. And you'll also notice this. Hey, he spoke to me about this three months ago, and he spoke to me about it here, and he spoke about it here. I think God wants me to hear about this more than once. I think God wants me to change something here. You'll be amazed, but you got to do it. you got to do it. Next, we need to respond to God according to regarding the things he's shown us. If he shows you and you've been praying about something and there's a clear direction in your life, then we ought to respond the way Daniel did when God answered one of his prayers specifically. Daniel said, I thank and I praise you, God of my ancestors, for you've given me wisdom and strength. You've told me what we asked of you. I mean, so many times we can pray about something and wrestle with something. God, show me, show me, show me. And then he does. and We don't even say thank you. Or other times, God might show us, hey, you need to stop doing something. You're wrong. You are dead, flat, wrong. Well, that's the time we need to respond and confess our sins and say, God, forgive me. And he says this, if we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us all our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And he respond. Listen. Focus. Read. Write it down. And Respond. It's not just something to keep in a notebook. It's something to do in our lives. And then finally, we, we need to ask a friend to hold us accountable to meeting with God daily. Well, why would that be important? Well, I'm tipping my hand again. It's not just important with God. It's important with your spouse to have a friend that'll say, how's your relationship with your wife going, John? Spend enough time with your kids, John? How are you doing at work, John? How's your relationship with God going, John? If I have accountability in any of those areas, it helps. More than once in this series, you're going to hear these verses. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, you know why we got connect groups. Once you get in a group where you get relationships with people that trust you and you trust them, and you can ask each other the hard questions. 
How you doing? And you'd be willing to give a straight answer because you know that people genuinely care for you. That's not possible unless you have relationships, and those are going to take time too. It's just the way it works. Let's consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's what we do in those connect groups. We're supposed to encourage each other. Hey, let's all try better. Let's pray for each other. I'll tell you what. I'll read my Bible this week if you will. All right, let's go. It works. Because so many times when life hits us, we get lazy and we get fearful. It helps like crazy if somebody comes along and gives us a kick in the pants every now and then and says, hey, get going. You know this is a good thing. Now, come on. I'll do it with you. I'll help you. Let's go. Here's an important note, and I probably should have put warning in there. If you and I don't find direction and meaning from a relationship with God, we will look for it somewhere else. This brings us all the way back to the beginning again. You were created for a relationship with God. If you and I don't work on that relationship with God, we will find, we will seek direction and meaning from, from other, some other place because I still do have to go to work and I'm still in the marriage and I still have kids and I still have hobbies. So I'm still going to make decisions. I'm just not going to make godly ones. Does that, un, does that make sense to everybody? So if I don't get God's opinion on it, I will make decisions and our culture is fighting for us to get far away from scriptural teaching on a whole host of issues. And if you listen to the talk shows or you listen to the experts, they'll tell you all kinds of strange things. That's not something new. Listen to what happened in the days of Isaiah, 600 years before Jesus was born. Someone may say to you, hey, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead with their whisperings and mutterings. They'll tell us what to do. People were going to fortune tellers and psychics back then. They'll tell us what to do. But shouldn't the people, shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Shouldn't the living seek guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. So we're not going to obey God's word, the one who made us, but we're going to go pay $25 or $50 or whatever it is to have somebody look at the wrinkles on their palm and tell us whether we should invest. This is a good idea. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away. Hebrews 3. Turns away from the living God. Dead people don't know anything about living. The living God does. Seek him. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. My job here is to help spur you on. We have hit this in our membership class every single time. If you don't want to grow and you don't want to go up to level two and then level three and then level four and proceed on and on and on, Center Point's going to be a lousy place for you to hang around because we're going to keep pushing you. That's my job, according to Scripture, is to help you grow down, put your roots down deep into God's Word and grow strong in Him. I want every person who hears this message, I want every person who's ever in contact with this church to grow closer to God and become more dependent on him. I want you to know his word for yourself. That's why it's in the outline. It's why I'm encouraging you to read it on your own today. And so we're going to wrap up this service in a kind of unusual way. I want you to take your outline and go to the third page, something we hardly ever do. At the bottom half of the third page under the going deeper section, it says, practice hearing God's voice on your own with a passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. 
That passage is the bottom paragraph right here. And what we'd like for you to do is we'd like for you, we're going to take just a few minutes. I'm going to uh, ask one of our musicians to come up here and uh, give us some music to meditate by. And we're going to have a practice time with, that's free of distractions just for five minutes. Five minutes. I promise you, um, you know, the restaurants won't run out of food in the next five minutes, okay? I know it's noon, but I want to take five minutes. I want you to read for five minutes. We're going to have a word of prayer before we start. And if you need a pen, the ushers will come back. Ushers, we can come back up and down the aisles again with pens. If you didn't get one the first time, just grab one now. I'd like you to mark anything you can on the back page. If God speaks to you about something, I'd like you to write it in one of these blanks on the back page. After every service, I've had people come up and say, I mean, someone with tears in their eyes, and it's all filled out going, I cannot believe this. God spoke to me. Believe it. He'll speak to you if you're willing to listen. I don't want to just tell you how to do it. I want you to give a practice session right now. Some of you, this is what you desperately need. You've been so darn busy. You've not taken any time to sit in God's presence and just keep your mouth shut and listen. No cell phones, no TV. Listen. And I want you just to give five minutes right now. Five minutes. That's all I'm asking. And say, God, I want you to speak to me. And this is a passage that I guarantee you something in there God can speak to you about. So I'm going to have a word of prayer. We're going to take five minutes. And then I want you to write down if God says anything to you. Then I want to, I'll have a few words after that. Let me pray first briefly. Father, I just want us to take five minutes. I know it's noon. But Father, I want us to give you five minutes right now. Just to listen. I pray, Lord, we can do it without texting. I pray we can do it without focusing on a hundred other things. We can just listen to you for a couple of minutes. I pray that you'll speak and move us out of the way, all of us, not just me, but all of us out of the way and our own agendas. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.